This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill, coming to you, of course, from Atlanta, Georgia. And as you all know by now, it's past Sunday in a small town called Sutherland Springs, Texas. There was a mass shooting. And Sunday, I was actually in Nashville uh, visiting some friends for the weekend, kind of just hanging out. And I was out and about uh, just running around the city of Nashville and my phone starts blowing up. I start getting text messages and uh, starts ringing and I'm kind of trying to ignore my phone because, you know, I'm trying to have a relaxing weekend, uh, you know, before I drive back to Atlanta. So I finally look at my phone and it's my PR guy. And I read the text messages. It says, you know, up to 24 dead in, in a mass shooting at a Baptist church in Texas. So, you know, I call him back and I'm like, hey, man, what's what's going on? 24 dead. He's like, yeah, 24 dead at a Baptist church in Sutherland, Texas. And again, now, when it's the weekend and, you know, I'm trying to relax, I don't follow the news. You know, I, I do enough of that as it is. So, uh you know, I said, what kind of church is it? He said, well, it's a Baptist church. And uh, it's like, is it a black Baptist church, a white Baptist church, a Southern Baptist? You know, what is it? He's like, I don't know. But can you do Fox News? I'm like, dude, I'm in Nashville. I, you know, don't have a suit and tie with me. I haven't shaved in like four days. I look like Grizzly Adams. All my gray hair is showing. And, uh, yeah, he he. Kept asking me, hey, man, we really need you. It's breaking. It's a breaking story. It's live coverage. Uh, Fox has a studio in Nashville, which I didn't know. Uh, so luckily I was able to get somewhere where I could actually shave so I didn't look like Grizzly Adams. Uh, I, I always travel with my makeup and, uh, you know, just a shirt, a dress shirt and some pants just in case because, you know, in, in the news business, you never know when something like this can happen. So anyway, I, I get to the studio, get down there, and there's still no new details about what really happened, uh, other than, you know, 20-plus people shot and killed inside a church. Uh, by the time I got there, they said the gunman, the shooter, was uh, found five miles away, and he was dead. And that's pretty much all we knew. So... As I go on the air, you know, I learned it was a, a town called Sutherland Springs, Texas, which is a population of about 400 people. So immediately, one of the first things I said was, you know, this doesn't sound like a terror attack. This doesn't sound like ISIS. You know, you're looking at a small town in the middle of nowhere in Texas. You know, it doesn't seem like somewhere where ISIS would choose to travel to do this type of thing because it just doesn't fit their agenda, right? They would have had nothing to gain by going to this small town. 
Uh, and when I said that, I could hear my phone vibrating, and apparently it was someone on Twitter saying, how dare I eliminate ISIS already? I'm very ridiculous for doing that. But, again, it's a small town in Texas where ISIS would have no political gain to even do something like that. Uh, so then the story came out, because I sat in the chair for about two hours covering this story. story came out that it was someone from the area. And, you know, again, one of the things I said while I was covering this was, this sounds like it possibly could be someone that had issues with someone in that church. So as time went along, a couple hours later, they said it was a former uh, military individual that lived about 35 miles away. So they asked what possibly could have happened. I said, well, there's a few things that could happen. He could have been radicalized somewhere while he was deployed in an area where ISIS is popular. I said, you look at a guy like Timothy McVeigh back in 95 who blew up a building, who was military, who did that for his political agenda. I said, but you still have to account for that he lives only 30 miles away. You still have to account for that this could be some kind of domestic issue with someone inside that church. We don't know. We still don't want to call this terrorism. Well, it came out that uh, this, this shooter, this Devin Patrick Kelly apparently had issues with his in-laws who attended the church. And this is the same Devin Patrick Kelly who was uh, dishonorably discharged. I think the Air Force calls it bad conduct discharge uh, from the Air Force. He served 12 months in confinement. He was reduced in rank uh, for domestic violence against his wife. In child, so obviously you're dealing with someone that has domestic violence issues, domestic violence tendencies, who was making making threats to his mother-in-law just before this shooting happened. So we can eliminate, obviously, some type of religious or political motivation behind this. We can definitely eliminate any radical Islamic terrorism we can definitely eliminate all of that stuff but of course as this is unfolding there were other networks that were already preaching gun control and it was a gun control issue and all this other stuff well this really wasn't a gun control issue because although he was convicted of domestic violence in the air force and he actually violated the Lautenberg Amendment, which basically says if you're convicted of that, you cannot own, possess, transport any firearm, or it's a felony. Uh, but, you know, that was a gap between the Air Force and the civilian world, right? The Air Force says they didn't report it to the FBI database. So, therefore, when he went and purchased these guns... Although he is convicted of that, he purchased them legally. I don't think there was an issue between the Air Force not reporting it to the FBI. I personally believe that when you look at it, when you're running background checks, those are for state and county. They don't extend to government records. So, you know, I don't know if the Air Force 
just said that as as a presser statement. But you know, anything that's in my military records, I guarantee anyone in the civilian world can't find that unless they go to the military, unless they go to the Department of Defense. But I want to touch base on this whole gun control thing here for just a second, right? Because everyone, well, not everyone, but there are a lot of people saying, oh, it's a gun control issue. We need to get guns off the street because these things always happen. Well, you go back a week or two ago, there was a guy in New York who rented a Home Depot truck who ran down a bunch of people in a park and killed them. And what he did was illegal. He essentially committed mass murder. He essentially committed a terrorist act. So now are we going to ban Home Depot trucks? Are, you, are we going to say you can't rent a moving truck because of what this guy did? And I'll go even further. Drunk driving is illegal. Hundreds of people die every year as a result of a drunk driver. So are we going to now ban alcohol? So we can say, well, things like this happen. Alcohol is very legal, just like guns are very legal. But it's not the alcohol that makes someone get intoxicated and then use bad judgment to get in a car and then use even worse judgment to hit and kill someone. It's not the alcohol. It's the person. Just like it's not the gun, it's the person. So I get so sick and tired of every time something like this happens, we start rambling on and on about gun control. It's not the gun, it's the person. And if a guy can rent a Home Depot truck and go into a park where people are just running and riding their bikes and run over people, then we need to start having the conversation of, oh, you can't rent a Home Depot truck out to anyone because they may use it as a weapon to go commit mass destruction. So, anyway, back to uh, this Devin Patrick Kelly. So he parks his car across the street from the church at a gas station after sending some text messages to his mother-in-law. They haven't released exactly what those text messages said. So you can assume that Devin Patrick Kelly assumed his mother-in-law was inside this church, right? So, it's safe to say that she was the primary target of this attack. So he parks his car across the street at a gas station. As he's approaching the church, he starts uh, firing a bunch of rounds into the church and enters the church and just starts his shooting spree. Um... The victims range from 18 months old, which is very, very, very sad, to uh, 77 years old. And one of the victims that died was uh, the pastor's 14-year-old daughter. Um, you know, and then as, as a father and as a preacher's kid, that kind of hits home to think that, you know, you're sitting in church on a Sunday morning about 1130 and your loved one loses their life simply because this individual had a gripe, whatever that gripe was, uh, with his, his mother-in-law, who happened not to be there uh, that past, this past Sunday. 
which makes this even worse because, you know, if she was the intended target and he was hell-bent on doing what he did, the fact that she wasn't there, you know, just really, really makes this a lot worse. But one of the things I, I covered on Fox News Sunday while I was uh, covering this was, you know, the old saying, if you see something, say something. And I said, if you, I said, let me go a step further. If you hear something, repeat it, because a story is not a story if only one person knows it, right? And I, I say that to say this, if he was sending text messages to his mother-in-law on that Sunday, and I can only assume that those text messages basically were like, you're going to die or, or something like that. If she, she wasn't at church, you know, I, I don't want a Monday morning quarterback this at all, but you know, if there were text messages there that were directed to, you know, her death or her imminent death, and she's usually at church on Sunday, I don't know. I, maybe she should have reached out to the church to say, Hey, you know, this knucklehead thinks I'm at church. He's saying he's going to kill me. You know, you guys be on the lookout for him or, or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And on his Facebook, I think a day or two before he posted a picture of an assault rifle, uh, and said, isn't she a bad bitch or, or something like that. And, you know, it's, is it illegal to post guns on Facebook? No. I mean, I've posted pictures of myself at the gun range on Facebook. So, no, it's it's not illegal. Um, but, you know, you have to look at everything in its totality. You know, did he post that picture with comments that, yeah, he was going to go kill a bunch of people? You know, he was going to go get his mother-in-law. You know, you, you have to look at things as a whole. So, anyway, he commits this this heinous act, he leaves the church and someone who had heard the shooting starts chasing him. And I think they disarm him with his assault rifle. He gets away. He starts running. Uh, guy fires two shots, I believe with a shotgun. Uh, he gets in his car. This, uh, Devin Kelly gets in his, his truck, hauls ass out of there. So the guy that was chasing him with the gun and another guy, get in their vehicles, chase after him. Uh, they get in a pursuit after him. He wrecks into some kind of uh, open field and pretty much is motionless. So uh, the guy exits, exits his vehicle. One of the guys that was chasing him approaches with his gun, basically holds him at gunpoint for about five minutes until police arrive. Uh, and the whole time this, uh, what's his name? The shooter, Devin Patrick Kelly, is in his vehicle, motionless, until police arrived. So police finally released that he was shot uh, three times, two by the individual that was chasing him, and the third by what they say appeared to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Now, they didn't say where it was self-inflicted, but I can only assume that it was self-inflicted to the head because that's what most people do. When they're trying to kill themselves, they don't shoot themselves in the foot or the leg or the hand. You know, they shoot themselves in the head. So police recovered two handguns. 
inside the car as well. So it's clear this guy intended to create mass destruction inside that church on that day. And, you know, maybe, maybe he knew that uh, the mother-in-law wasn't at the church. Maybe she texted him and said, leave me the freak alone. I'm at home. I'm trying to sleep. You know, we don't know. And, you know, maybe he just wanted to go there to do that, to get back at her or something, because obviously he had some kind of issue with his mother-in-law. So maybe, especially since this is a very small town, some of her relatives, the mother-in-law's relatives, attended this church, and he knew she wasn't there, but he still wanted to go out and carry out this act just to be vindictive towards the mother-in-law. We don't know. We can only speculate. And I'm sure we'll find out as police start to investigate this further and look at these text messages to get an idea of what was said between the shooter and the mother-in-law. But, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because, again, everyone was talking gun control, but guess what? The two individuals that essentially stopped this gunman were law-abiding citizens who purchased handguns and purchased their guns legally, right? Because, again, gun control is only for the law-abiding citizen. Because criminals, even though this uh, Devin Kelly was able to do it because the record wasn't there, but your average criminal, your average thug, who goes around and shoots people, like in the city of Chicago or Baltimore or Ferguson or St. Louis or wherever, where you see a bunch of gun violence, they're not buying their guns legally. So while everyone's talking about gun control and people don't need guns, imagine if these two individuals outside of that church were not there. Just because he left the church doesn't necessarily mean he was done doing what he was going to do. He could have gone somewhere else. He could have gone to the mother-in-law's house. He could have gone to the ex-wife's house. He could have gone anywhere. So just because he left the church after he killed 20 plus people doesn't mean he was done doing what he was going to do. He had more guns. So imagine if those two who had legal guns were not there. Imagine how much more destruction could have happened. So the big question uh, from Sunday while this was all breaking and unfolding while I was reporting on it, and, you know, the, the reporter, the anchor, asked several people the same question, you know, and everyone was trying to give the best answer they could. But the question was, how do we prevent things like this from happening? Well, the simple answer is, quite frankly, we can't, right? Because if someone wants to do something like this, whether they go to the gun store legally and purchase guns or whether they go in a back alley somewhere and purchase guns, this is going to happen if this is what that person wants to do. So, quite frankly, let's be honest, let's be realistic here. There's nothing any law, any law can do to prevent something like this from happening. So, again, we can preach gun control until we're 
blue in the face until our last breath, but there's not a law that would stop something like what happened in Sutherland Springs, Texas from happening if that individual was motivated to do it. So instead of asking what can we do to prevent this, what we should be doing and what we should be teaching is what to do when this occurs because it's going to happen again. We've seen it. We saw it in Las Vegas. We saw it in San Bernardino. We saw it in this little small town of 400 people. We've seen mass shootings in Texas before, dating all the way back to 1996. And those conversations were coming up then, 1996, almost 21 years ago. We were having these conversations. So instead of saying, what can we do to prevent this? What gun laws do we need to prevent this? Let's start talking about how to react when it happens. What to do to keep yourself safe. What to do to eliminate the threat a lot faster. Those are the conversations that this country really needs to have versus, oh, let's just ban guns and let's just make sure we have national background checks and let's just make sure that a person can't buy this type of device for their gun. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Let's start having the real conversations that we need to have. Okay, I got to bring a little humor, uh, and I want to talk about one stupid criminal in the city of Chicago. And here's the headline. It's on police1.com. Illinois man shoots himself in penis while robbing hot dog stand. Chicago, Illinois. This was back November 3rd. A man is in the hospital after he reportedly shot himself in the penis while robbing a hot dog stand in Chicago on Tuesday. Chicago Sun-Times reports that police found Tyrone Punsey, 19, slumped over the steps of a home across the street from the restaurant he allegedly held up at gunpoint. The pain from the wound was too severe, really, for Punsey to continue running further. Punsey walked into the store and held a gun at the employee's head and demanded cash. When another worker handed the suspect the cash, a bucket of grease tipped over and caused the bills to scatter in the air. Suspect collected the money and headed toward the exit. As the suspect began to flee, he shifted the gun into his waistband and apparently pulled the trigger, shooting himself. Police were able to use surveillance cameras to identify Punsey. His bloodstained boxers matched the ones seen in the footage. Punsey faces two counts of armed robbery. Well, you know, I really think that the uh, two counts of armed robbery are probably the least of his worries because he could have been missing two very important things by placing that gun in the waistband and pulling the trigger. Can you imagine the pain that this idiot is feeling and the irony of this whole story? So you go in and you rob a hot dog stand and then you shoot yourself in your hot dog. Dumb criminal. All right, it's just about time for me to get out of here.
And of course, I have to end with my 10-7 segment. And tonight I want to honor an officer that kind of got lost in the sauce because of everything that happened in Las Vegas, Nevada. And that is Corporal Michael Paul Middlebrook, Lafayette Police Department, Lafayette, Louisiana. End of watch, Sunday, October 1st, 2017. Corporal Michael Middlebrook was shot and killed while responding to a shooting at a convenience store near the intersection of Moss Street and Van Buren Street at approximately 10 p.m. The call was originally dispatched as a person with a gun, but was upgraded to a shooting. As Corporal Middlebrook arrived on the scene, a male subject opened fire on him, engaging him in a shootout. Corporal Middlebrook was fatally wounded during the exchange. The man fled the scene, but was later arrested and charged with first-degree murder and three counts of first-degree attempted murder. Corporal Middlebrooks had served with the Lafayette Police Department for nine years and served with the U.S. Army as a military policeman. He was studying to become a pastor. He is survived by his wife, three-year-old daughter, and two stepdaughters. So again, he got lost in the sauce with everything that happened in Las Vegas uh, Sunday, October 1st. But I wanted to honor him to give him the send-off that he deserves because he was protecting and serving. He had served this country. He had served the city and the citizens of Lafayette, Louisiana. And obviously he was serving his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ as he was studying to become a pastor. So, Godspeed to you, my friend. Thank you for your service, my prayers to you, your family, your daughter, and your stepdaughters. May God be with them. Thank you, my loyal listeners, for listening. I'm Vincent Hill. I will see you next week, right here, same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is Jim Fannin, America's Zone Coach, and I'm excited about bringing my new podcast, The Jim Fannin Show, to RadioInfluence.com. Each week, we're going to talk about the zone and how this mindset can help you in all facets of your life. I'll give you all the tools you need to change your life and help guide you to become your genuine, authentic best self. With the only proven blueprint for attracting the zone mindset, I've helped transform millions of lives. In my 40 years of experience, I've coached CEOs and senior executives from 350 of the Fortune 500 companies in 50 different industries. I've coached professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hall of Famers, all pros, all stars, entertainers, and so many more to help them gain the tools and techniques to create a life of simplicity, balance, and abundance. And now it's my privilege to bring these methods to you every week, along with some of my champion good friends as special guests. If you want to get in the zone in all you do, check out The Jim Fannin Show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.